Well, hello and welcome along to the London Coronavirus Podcast. This is the pilot edition, the first edition of what will hopefully be a daily podcast, bringing uh, a bit of positivity, a bit of practical advice and uh, potentially a little bit of well-meaning humour as well during these times that are changing very, very fast indeed. Uh, Today, it's myself, David Windsor and Mr James Ware. Uh, This was, uh, we, we live a couple of boroughs apart in London, and uh, yeah, we're just going to hope uh, throughout the course of this podcast and and beyond to, to bring a little bit of something extra. Uh, today on the pod, we we talked about what's going on, basically, this new era that we live in. We talked about working from home. We had a little insight from a friend of mine in Italy. Uh, we had uh, we had James Ware's friend Zander talking about how you work from home and effectively effective methods to do so. Uh, so I think, James, to be honest, mate, even if nobody listens to this podcast uh, ever... I really enjoyed having a chat with you for an hour. Yeah, I think there was something strangely cathartic about just trying to put words to what the flip is happening right now, wasn't there? I, I think there was something to that and, and a sense of us being slightly across London from each other and even just speaking to you, even just speaking to you made me feel... That, that there was sort of a bit more solidarity. And I think maybe that's the most important feeling for everyone right now because it's a tremendously terrifying time for us all, even, even if we're staying calm and sensible throughout. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right, Where And um, uh, listen, this was a, a kind of scrambled together, hastily put podcast, I certainly start to it. We uh, There was a microphone being passed uh, where came to my front door earlier, pa- I passed a microphone to him in a plastic bag while keeping two metres away from him, which was a kind of a, a very serious and a very ridiculous moment at the same time when he usually gives me like a massive bear hug. Uh, and we got a logo at the last minute. Anyway, it's all very last minute, but hopefully this is going to get up and running and this will provide a tiny little bit of value to, I was going to say people's commute wear, but uh, I don't, I'm not sure that uh, that exists anymore. So um, yeah, here we are. And this is the podcast. <laughs> First of all, what I want to say is that I think it's not an over-exaggeration to say that this is like a new era. I know it's so easy to be dramatic in these kind of situations, but uh, for example, my <laughs> I think it's also it's all about trying to find a balance between like logic and emotion, and it's so easy to fall into one of those camps. And, and if you can find the balance between the two, that's that's the key, really. But it feels it feels like something's changed. It feels like the world has changed a little bit. And even this morning, uh, this morning where I got a WhatsApp message from, from a mate of mine and he just said the words ACV1 and I was a bit groggy, woke up, a bit jet lagged and, and I didn't know what he was talking about. And what he was saying was that time should start again after coronavirus. So it should be like after coronavirus one, so the start of a new time period, which is obviously extreme. But I don't know. It, it's just it, it feels like something has, has dramatically shifted. And, and that's not me trying to stoke up fear or anything like that. And I know you could go on certain media outlets and think the world was going to end tomorrow. But do you know what I mean, mate? Something just feels different, even though London is is quieter. And it is, a, you know, it, it's 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 not totally different. There are still people out on the streets. I think there's, it feels like there's been a big shift. Yeah, I totally get what you mean, man. I was messaging a friend earlier today whose birthday it was today and I kind of stopped myself in my tracks because my traditional way of messaging people who I'm close to on their birthday is to wish them their best year yet and 
it felt yeah. like, especially today and knowing that this person's also in London, it felt like I had to kind of qualify that with a, well, once things get back to normal, it really is like in all of our conceptions of what day-to-day time and normal life looks like, we've hit this giant pause button, at least for the time being. And I think trying to figure that all out together is something we're all working through really minute by minute more than hour by hour right now. It's part of the reason that I know we both want to do this, to try and feel like there's some solidarity around us as people work through that. And I think... Yeah, no, sorry, sorry, mate. Just, just, I think it's a really important point about the birthday because I I sent an email today and the first line was, hope you're well. And I couldn't put, I don't put, hope you're well, like, and then a little, oh, all things considered. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost like everything you say now has got this extra little bit on it, this extra subplot. Whether it's in, you know, something, you, it's it's a really, really odd, odd time. Yeah, completely. I couldn't agree more. It really does feel like we kind of moved into a parallel time zone for all of us everywhere in the world, right? And then we're going to try to segue back at some point. No one knows when that point will be. When it kind of feels right to return to like the normal time of life. And I think you really hit the nail on the head with what you were saying that it feels like we all in our own ways are trying to figure out like this middle path together, right? And that looks a bit different for every single person and in every single place. It's obviously very contextual on a day-by-day basis for lots of us right now. But between the extremes that we're getting in some media, on some social media, the general panic and pandemonium that you can't help but feel in public right now, between that and the actuality of the situation that, at least for the time being, people are focused on also just living their daily lives. Now, their daily lives, the whole nature of what that looks like has changed irrecognisably for the time being already for most people. But it's like trying to figure out well, what does the right middle path between those things look like? Especially if we're going to be on that middle path long term. Obviously, the direction of that path in London right now is being altered on a daily basis, at the very least, by hearing the latest from Boris Johnson and from the various people he's bringing in to join him to advise the nation. And so it's like this massive experience for all of us, I think, where we're used to navigating our lives at best on sat-nav and lots of the time just on autopilot. And it feels like on a daily basis, we've gone back to barely even a compass and an ordnance survey map. You know, we're kind of trying to (laughs) navigate by the stars on a very cloudy night. And I think that trying to work that all out together other than the very serious situation that the people really dealing with the biggest problems of this, the health service, Mm. all the knock-ons for businesses and everything, even in the short term and economically. But other than those people who are working on that, it really feels like that's the biggest challenge for most people right now. That's the feeling I get actually being here anyway. Yeah, and I think... 
I think the autopilot um, comment is a really good one, mate, because we do. We've created the world, a world for ourselves in the West that is so safe and you can just plod through and you're on autopilot. And I felt today myself making more decisions. Mm. And do you know what I mean? Whereas normally maybe I don't have to make so many decisions. You, you kind of get swept along. But I felt myself making these, actively making decisions about uh, tomorrow, about, you know, work and social lives and all these kind of things. Decisions that previously would have just flowed so naturally and I wouldn't have had to make them. So, yeah, the autopilot thing's a, 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 really, a really good point. And, uh, yeah, but th- this is where we are. And, and as you say, everyone, totally understandably, everyone's, uh, like, paradigm for disaster is different. Like, it, I almost snapped at my sister today. I hope she doesn't mind. She was talking about annual leave and holidays and stuff like that. Mm. And I was like, you know, I, everyone's, and to, to some people, of course, that, that is a big problem. And you know how it is. Everyone's scale of a problem is completely different. And I, I do think it's, like I said, I don't want to go too heavy on this, but I, I do think that the next six to 12 months will really show what a lot of people are like internally and externally. And it's so important to be, for all, us all to try and be, you know, kind and calm and hopefully with a bit of courage as well. Because, um, it is. I think it's it's a really it's a really important period for this country and the world. Obviously, yeah. I I think you've really touched on something that's crucial and sort of slowly seen happening over the past few days is people working out how they can navigate that because look exactly like you said, all of our responses to this situation because it is just such an extreme situation. Are different they're personal and I think we're quite used to in a society where we're allowed to express ourselves and we're always expressing ourselves sort of judging people <laughs> for their ways of expressing themselves even in a not bad sense of word judging whereas with this I think as long as look people aren't doing something which is morally wrong in the face of this but I I think like you're saying the sliding scale of how people are going to react just because it's not for us to react like that we really have to try and cultivate some compassion in ourselves to understand that everyone's got their own individual reaction and and to respect that even if it's not for us right it is it's so difficult not to be judgmental and stuff like i went uh obviously i kept my distance from everyone today but i went for a little walk around the park right and there was an old man he must have been 80 plus who was out of his home walking and it'd be easy to be like get back inside but for all i know that is the best moment of that that gentleman's week do you know what i mean and 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 he he might be thinking what how can i be yes i don't know it's it's a really it's really important to try not to judge uh, people's decisions I, I think as long as they're you know within the framework of uh, of legality so yeah um yeah that that's where we are james uh, mate i want to talk about the handshake because we we had a moment today where where we were exchanging a bit of tech yeah. kit and you 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 came to my house to collect a microphone because we've kind of scrambled this podcast together in a matter of uh, hours rather than days or anything like that and uh, there was a really odd moment where I opened the front door to, to the block of flats that I live in. And I sort of was obviously about two metres away from you and I handed over this microphone in a plastic bag, which is just so out of sync to how I would usually meet you. Like, yeah, I think we used to work together and, yeah. uh, you know, those big, big, big bear hugs that you used to give everyone where when you walked in the office. And now it's kind of, it was really odd. I was just taking a step back from you, mate, and passing you this plastic bag. And it was, yeah, it was just ridiculous. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that in relation to greetings and handshakes because the good old ha- humble handshake, James mm. Ware, 
which has served served humanity so well for tried so long. Tried and tested. And it is just so... It is tried and tested. It is so effective. The hand comes out like it's close to the body. You're not invading anyone else's space. In it goes. Strong handshake. You're out. Established contact. Like it's so good. And I was talking to you. We were talking off pod actually about you know why the handshake. Like where did it come from? And it actually, if you just if you kind of give yourself a handshake now, what it did, where it came from, is people initially instead of t- holding the other person's hand, they grabbed their wrist on greeting to make sure the other person did wasn't concealing a knife or a weapon. Obviously, from back in the back in the the dark old ages, where and that we've kind of obviously outgrown that, but the handshake has remained. So sure. to to think now that, and I know people think, oh, what does it matter? Like, who who cares about the handshake? Well, it is actually a really important point. It's like te- you're going to have to tell French people and Italian people for the rest of time now they can't probably kiss each other on the cheek. That is, those are massive, massive cultural shifts that I don't think should be taken too lightly. Um, but there are, of course, alternatives to the handshake. Work. Yeah, well, I think, like you say, it would be easy to underestimate quite how much those things are cultural cornerstones and how much changing them is going to change the feelings of those cultures, right? I know that lots of yeah. places quite reasonably and rightly have, regardless of their traditions, banned those officially for the time being, right? Because un- under the current climate that's the only real option they had and even that i think is quite jarring especially for older generations who are even more established in those things than we are but yeah like we see more irregularly i guess in daily life there are some alternatives out there and one that's been getting a lot of hype recently that really did the rounds was the elbow bump. Now, the theory being, obviously, mm. that compared to saying like fist bump, where, well, maybe it's better because you're not going palm to palm, you're not letting your palms get a bit kissy-kissy, so you don't have... A yeah, I'm a big change. big fan of the big fan of the fist pump, yeah, but it's, it's, it's out, isn't it? Yeah, well, it seems to be for the time being, because you're still hand-to-hand, you're still transmitting those germs, and so the elbow pump came in, which... Looks a bit comical. It, it kind of reminds me a bit of if a dodo resurrected itself and was trying to give someone a high five. It doesn't look very coordinated, it's silly. does it? It's silly. No, it, mate, it's silly. It's an unna- It's a weird thing. The elbow, I don't think that will stand the test of time. There's, there's a gap in the market here. Like, there's a gap in the market for the next 100 years to create, like, a different... A different greeting. I just, I know we're going to go on to what the actual official recommended greeting is, but you just, uh, something just popped into my head about how I text my mum yeah. earlier, who I'm going to see, I think, in a, in a couple of weeks or cool. next weekend, maybe. And I text her the words, Am I okay to hug you when I see you? Which again is like, and then we both like had a laugh about it because it's so ridiculous. And my mum was like, Of course, hug me. And then I was like, Well, hang on, if I hug you, mum, and you get the illness, then how, obviously, I'm, you're, you've got like, you've got coronavirus if I've got it. And, uh, also, I feel utterly horrendous, horrendous that I've given my mum, who is, if she doesn't mind me saying, in her 60s, uh, you know, so it, I don't know. It's just there are fundamental shifts. Mm. There mm. really are. Yeah, I also picked something up that my mum had come to drop off in a car the other day. And, and there was a really weird moment, exactly like what you're describing, where the door to the car was open. And I kind of instinctively <laughs> felt myself sort of leaning in to go into the car and hug my mum even though she had to be sat in the driver's seat and then 
suddenly that didn't feel appropriate. And the whole feeling of my brain realising that wasn't appropriate was just so surreal. Like you said, I think it's only those little moments in which we can kind of fully grasp what the heck is going on. Because thinking about the big picture of it is is so, so intense, right? It, it's those, it's those yeah. little things. I think that's why they're important because in those little moments, we do actually see what's going on. So what, what I'm told by my sources I should go for instead of the dodo flap that is the elbow bump is that we should be going for the namaste. So for anyone not familiar with this, for any of you non-budding yogis out there, the way that this works is you hold both your hands together, palms together, fingers pointed upwards, and draw the hands towards your heart. And this has got some pretty serious backing from none other than the World Health Organization's <laughs> Director General, a man blessed with a truly great name for such a great position, Tedros Adhanom Gabriessus, and he recommends the namaste. He says it's best to avoid elbow bumps because they put you within one meter of the person, so you're in the danger zone. So he sure. says to go for the namaste, or he also suggests as an alternative putting your hand on your heart when you greet someone as a show of care for them. Some people are going for some more alternative ones jazz hands, peace signs throwing the shaka, going a bit surfer vibe. I'm, I'm not sure how long-term those will be. I like that they're sort of bringing a smile to people's faces at the yeah, moment. I, I, I think, to be honest, they're a like, little bit naff compared to a handshake for more general they're, use. They're elaborate. Like, no, you're right. But like the namaste, like it's, it is a li- it's quite full-on. Like the handshake works because whether it's someone you're really good mates with or someone you've just met three seconds ago, it works, mm. right? Whereas like the namaste and some of the others are a little bit like trying to be funny or uh, or just quite elaborate or quite full on. So, yeah, like I said, there is a gap in the market. I don't think it's been filled yet. So it, I'm really genuinely interested in what we end up set. Let's, let's, let's go on the basis where that this is going to carry on for a year. Uh, the, how that how that gap in the market gets filled. One of uh, numerous uh, bizarre stories from around the world this week yeah there have indeed been i mean this is far from the only one and i think if anyone wants to get in touch with either their favorite handshake alternatives or the strangest coronavirus related stories they've seen they can find us on socials can't they dave yeah yeah i'll put all the details um below yeah i'll put all the details uh below but yeah do do get in touch by all means uh i know the german big brother story caught your attention uh where yeah week. well i actually was joking the other night with my girlfriend imagining what would it be like if love island the winter season they did this year in south africa was still going on like imagine if those people who effectively live under quarantined conditions already then had to in an ironic reality television twist of fate be actually quarantined when they were meant to be freed from their TV quarantine. It, it seemed like an interesting thought. <laughs> that is and, brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is absolutely and brilliant. Like whether, yeah. yeah, whether like all of us lot back home, self-isolating or quarantined back home, you know, it'd be very compelling to see people who were living 
in this kind of parallel quarantine universe of a villa far away. So uh, we were kind of joking around. Which which is and like the, the the kind of the irony is that living in that villa, uh, like they would have more space, more freedom. You know, they could still hug each other. They could do lots of other things that they can't do when they reach the outside world. I mean, that would that is. That is really, psychologically, I really wonder how some of those guys sort of cope. Yeah, like bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. yeah. I think we're all finding that out in our own ways right now and seeing quite how difficult that can be even for a few days, let alone long term and not having the eyes of the nation on us. But in Germany, believe it or not, it's been more than a month since the majority of their Big Brother contestants entered the house. So... When they went in, the first cases of coronavirus outside Wuhan were just being reported. And obviously now, Germany is beginning to bring in some of the strongest control measures like we're seeing across lots of countries all over Europe and all over the world. And they've decided that they're going to maximise this for all its reality worth by telling the contestants on Tuesday night in a live TV special. So people in Germany, whether they're self-isolating or quarantined or not, will be able to watch their reaction to hearing about the news for the first time of what is actually going on in their country, which, I mean, I can't really come down on a side as to whether this is like reality TV at its absolute purest, one for the real reality TV Hall of Fame, or whether this is just truly shocking. I think maybe we'd have to see how it's handled to really come down on it. What do you reckon? I I think it's just surreal, as you say. Like, you're going to tell people who are effectively in a quarantine that they've chosen, to they've chosen to be on Big Brother, mm-hmm. right? To then take them out, uh, then they will leave the show and they will be in a quarantine that they haven't chosen. Uh, like, I, I think it's a real... I mean, that is people are struggling with this anyway. So I, I think, uh, yeah, that's going to be that is, is absolutely bizarre. Bizarre. Yeah, it's it's a bonkers story, isn't it? And it's sort of got me wondering, well, if it were, I know lots of TV shows, the production of them is being paused right now, understandably, to protect the people who actually make the shows. And obviously they require lots of people on set and all of those in, interactions. So most of the TV production industry has been paused. It does get you thinking, if people are going to be stuck indoors over the coming days, months, even longer, then what would the perfect entertainment format for that look like? I mean, we're going to need something to pass the time. And is there something that watching every day would work? Is there a new Big Brother or Love Island waiting to be born for the coronavirus content age? (laughs) <laughs> yeah i mean I, I thought everyone was going to sit at home and studiously learn italian and the piano where and we'll all uh, leave leave our homes in six months time as much fuller human beings that's the that's the chit chat at the moment whether or are we just all going to you know complete netflix i don't know what where, where I we're think gonna end maybe up. those are a little bit like coronavirus resolutions I, I'm slightly worried that we're going <laughs> to see what we saw in January, much like you were saying with this new time era we're in. This is kind of like the start of a new year all over again. And I, I'm not sure how long those last, but I really like the idea that we sort of all emerge as these 
learned, sort of realised individuals from this quarantine. And to be fair, I've seen lots of things about content that's going to be put online, that's going to be live streaming of meditation classes, of exercise classes. So I guess that is filling a little bit of a content hole and maybe that is going to lead to some positive changes for some people. But the strangest live streaming I've come across so far has come out of, well, one of the world capitals of weird news stories. It has to be Japan. And in in Japan, one of the big questions in Britain, given the announcements yesterday about avoiding going to the pub, one of the big questions has been, well, you know, without the pub, we're like camels without an oasis. Can we really survive our London lives? And amazingly enough, again, in the kind of surreal scene only, this situation seems to be capable of bringing about the Prime Minister's father effectively said well i'll go to the pub anyway to support the pub so you've got you've got dads turning against sons on on the most public stage here when when that's their own son's policy that's the level of pub passion there is in our aisles but the japanese may just have found a solution because there's this craze that already existed in japan beforehand which is called on nomi which which sounds like it could be absolutely any manner of things but what this means is drinking online and what it involves quite simply is you get together but instead of assembling in real life that's very pre-coronavirus as we're all discovering for the time being anyway instead of assembling in real life you assemble online and drink together online. So it's kind of like an iPub, but with real beers. It's a it's a BYOB iPub, if you will. <laughs> yeah, like but with a nicer smell, presumably. I'd, I mean, yeah. I hope so. Maybe not after uh... months and months of self quarantining. Then then the pub smell might sort of smell like the finest. In car deodorizer. <laughs> well, I mean, like, where can you imagine? Let's say, and nobody knows what's going to happen at this stage. So it almost feels irresponsible to guess. Uh, but just let me, let me uh, have a stab at it. Let's say in a year, like this is over. There's someone, some genius in a laboratory somewhere finds a vaccine. This is over. Can you imagine the night out in London? I mean, I actually a bit scared. I think there'd be need, there'd need to be restrictions. <laughs> if the pubs that I saw a tweet saying whatever pubs survive this. Like we're going for you hard when we're back in action, and I just, I like it. it it's it's literally going to be like, you know, seventeen gin and tonics, please, and anything you fancy, mate. Like it's gonna, it's just gonna be, uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be wild. Let let's hope that day does uh, does come sooner rather than later. Yeah, everything crossed for that. I mean, it does feel like we're really, in terms of entertainment in real life, it feels like most people's daily experience is really working through the classic film genres really at the moment i mean right now we're in the zombie apocalypse god only knows what's going to wait us between now and the time you talk about but then we're going to be in like the ultimate hollywood blockbuster frat movie we're we're really rolling through them apace (laughs) oh some people are gonna yeah watch every film ever created um (laughs) yeah it's uh it, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's just two generations of complete 
we've had two generations of complete freedom, mm. right? Mm. Like you can do whatever you want, pretty much. They're like just golden times. And uh, to tell two generations of people that they've got to stay indoors, uh, which, you know, is absolutely the right thing at this point in time, no doubt about it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see how humanity uh, reacts. Yeah, completely. And I'm really intrigued to see on the most basic level with how people, in fact, do pass the time, especially if, as is looking very likely the case right now, this is a fairly protracted situation. And the things that we might make a list of now that we think, oh, that pass a few weeks, a month, just get exhausted, right? I mean, realistically, that will happen. It's, it's like sort of packing enough activities for a, a week-long holiday rather than a six-month odyssey. And God only knows what kind of car games we're going to be playing at the end of it. Yeah, it is the indefinite nature, isn't it? You know, I think if someone was like, this is 100% only for one month, everyone stay indoors, everyone would, I think everyone would be super productive, super positive and get on with it. But uh, yeah, it, if it's any longer than that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to raise some questions for sure. Um, I just want to, if we can um, uh, go on to to talk a bit more about like the global situation, obviously uh, where we're both Londoners, we live a couple of boroughs apart and, you know, we will uh, make this podcast quite London-centric at times and talking about the UK and the wider sure. issue. But I do, I do think it's, it's, it's important and what we're going to try and do, I think, over the next few days is get someone from uh, different corners of the world to give you their experience of how this is affecting them. And I know you guys, everyone's seen it and, and stuff like that, but uh, I think it's important. I think it's beautiful, the people on the balcony in Italy um singing and everything like that but there's always more to it than that and so this uh what we've got is we've got someone now from southern italy he's called giorgio and i live with him uh where in spain 10 years ago and he's one of those guys that um if i see him now after two years we uh, we treat each other like long lost brothers it's it's fantastic mm. like and uh yeah giorgio lives in in southern italy one of you know one of the you know one of the most affected regions and uh we've got a, a little whatsapp audio message from my mate giorgio who just just telling us what it's like a a boots on the ground uh perspective and opinion on on life in italy today he sent this message about two hours ago so t- today hi i'm giorgio i live in the south of italy as you already know, here the situation is so serious. There are a lot of cases and deaths that are growing uh, every day. It's a week that uh, today that we are in quarantine. Uh, it means that uh, we are restricted, restricted at home. We can go out just to go to the supermarket or the pharmacy that are the only shops that are open. On the street, there are police controls to make sure that people don't go out. The situation looks very scary, but uh, I see that the biggest part of the population is showing a big spirit, a big responsibility. And uh, it's amazing, for example, to see that people coming out to the balcony, uh, playing Italian songs that give a lot of comfort and uh, make us feel that we are not alone. What I would recommend to other countries that uh, are not yet in our situation is that uh, they take this seriously and act uh, as soon as possible. Regards. Yeah, that that was Giorgio. 
uh, where just talking about Italy and, you know, just trying to stay positive. And I think tomorrow we'll have someone from Argentina and then we'll, we'll try and keep going around the globe. It's, it's nice to have those little first-hand accounts and, uh, yeah, it just checks in. Yeah, completely. It makes it a bit more personal for me, doesn't it, to actually have some coronavirus correspondents who are just real people rather than getting everything just yeah. off the news I think gives you a much better feeling than just updating these facts figures and little paragraphs and sound bites yeah. on a and daily I do, basis I think, like, I think like I said I think it's fantastic and Georgia mentioned it like people keeping good spirits and uh, you know singing on the balcony and all of that but I do think we need to we do need to understand that like not everyone's having that experience right like there's a lot of people that live by themselves that are trapped away mm. by themselves mm. of everything from, you know, 21 to 90. And so I do think we can't look at a video like that and think, oh, it's OK. Every, you know, I, I, I'm really quite concerned about, yeah, like the loneliness that some people will, will endure. So, I mean, I'll admit, my, I'll openly admit myself where that I live in like a small London flat, right, by myself. And if someone says you've got to stay in this flat for a month, yeah. I'll, I'll get through it, mate. But, you know, I... I it's tough. It's tough. So uh, by all means, I think we should enjoy the people singing on the balcony, but we should be perfectly aware that there's a lot of other stories behind uh, the walls of people that are, that are in lockdown. Yeah, completely. And I think that's one of the tricky things with social media, isn't it? The way it and the way we consume media more broadly these days, but the way that they both just magnify both sides of it and we we often lose out on the mid-ground and yeah as as much as we'll be looking to focus on some of the more positive things to be emerging right now to keep people in slightly higher spirits I think at the same time it's really key we maintain that balance isn't it of realizing that these little things that are going to come up in the news and on Instagram and whatever over the coming days and weeks yeah, they provide provide a little bit of colour and a little picture to what's going on, but it's going to take a lot more than that for us to truly get close to appreciating what's going on. I'm not really sure how much any of us no. are capable of that, and maybe in some ways that's a good thing because it, it's just so Yeah, and it's so, so new, huge, man. Like, you've, you know? like, no one's in our lifetime, and for not for an awful long time in uh, human history, has ever been told to stay indoors, right? Like, so it's, it's, that's a new, we don't really have like a body of evidence for all of humanity staying, like staying inside. And I know in, in, in London and in the UK, that's not, you know, we can leave the house to do our shopping. And as long as we're kind of sensible about social distancing and stuff like that. But, you know, if we look at the, the graph of the way things are going, I, I imagine we're all going to be confined into our flats and homes and houses and lofts and apartments and bunkers pretty soon. So, and, and that has never it's not has never happened before has not happened before in, in our generation or, or the generation before so there's no precedent yeah yeah i think that's where there is a sense of us all being in this together because nobody really certainly in a place like london you know there are other countries that have been through extremes that have involved similar things much more recently but certainly somewhere like london none of us have any lived experience of something involving anything like a situation this crazy and it is impossible isn't it to to not recall and this is something everyone's sort of been saying over the past week but 
but to not really recall the world wars and some of the situations they brought about. And we obviously have to be really careful because I think we should remember and fully yes. respect and pay tribute to yeah. the differences be- between the situations, the amount of sacrifice involved, the length of those situations, the atrocities. You know, there are so, there are so many levels in which it isn't at all like Definitely. those times. But where I think there is a, a little something to that is, like you say, that in a place like London, it's very hard to think of a time since then when there really has been such a broad situation that has so significantly impacted people's daily lives. And and I think also that there's like a little sense in the like uncertainty of that time frame in which I think it also sort of reminds me of what I understand historically of the feeling of when they were entering the periods of certainly the First World War and, and that sense of, oh, you know, at the beginning, yeah. it, it will be over by Christmas. And I think in our own very miniature way, and no, again, but, I, I don't no, but I totally sound at all yeah. I'm directly comparing, but in our own very miniature way, I, I think we've all, all sort of gone through that in the past few weeks. I mean, at one point, people were kind of bored sure. of hearing the C word said in public it was like oh you know this is a news story which is a bit overhyped and it's gone from that to being really the only thing you can talk about to anyone right because i mean and anything else as as much as we might try it just isn't Mm. that appropriate right now because it it's such a parallel life experience we seem to be entering you know no absolutely And, and and i don't like no one is comparing it to to world wars um but at the same time you know we can only live in the moment that we're in can't we and you know i don't i don't expect uh, myself and like or you know an 18 year old to to have to justify everything they say by oh well it's not as bad as the world war you know it's still i don't think sure i think i'm not saying i think people should complain but you know what i mean like i think people are if someone feels really you know if some someone's 25 or whatever age and they're uh, they're, they're locked indoors and it's really affecting them physically or, or mentally uh, then uh, yeah then they're allowed to they're definitely allowed to express that without someone saying oh grow up you know uh, it's not it's worse than 100 years ago so yeah uh, yeah there's and that's going to play out and I think as well where like the indefinite nature of it I, I do think that the last the last couple of days people are getting like that this isn't weeks is it that this is something that is 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 and again nobody knows but it's it's going to be months and months. Yeah, yeah. I think for me personally, and again, I guess we could we could only all talk fully about our own personal experience going through this. But for me personally, one of the most intense things about the past few days has been because both of my parents are over seventy and fall into mm. that category has been realising that they've had to go through this mental realisation and and journey of their own, right? Of like a few days ago, they're very keen singing in choirs and they had a couple of really exciting concerts for two groups they're involved in coming up, you know, the kind of stuff that in a normal week you're looking forward to. It's kind of a highlight. And they had to go from being like well we won't really go on about apart from those things to like 
well, the first one's cancelled and maybe we shouldn't go actually even if the second one goes ahead to like those things are both cancelled and in the next couple of days it sounds like we're going to very seriously have to not go outside for possibly three months and to witness your own parents having to navigate yeah emotionally and mentally saying like that even just from the going of a, a few phone call chats with them as as the news has developed but just getting the slightest sense of that like that, that is that's something that, that is, you know it's it's crazy it's liberty it's freedom and and i think everyone like again everyone understands the reasons why but it is crazy and i think it's you know that point where you stop realizing that they're your parents and you realize that they're people Oh, you, or, you know, that moment when, for me, I must have been, oh, mate, sure. I must have been mid-twenties at least when I stopped thinking of them as my parents. I mean, obviously they are, but I just, I was like, oh, yeah, they're they're like, they're they're their own people as well. And um, I can't speak for everyone, but yeah, that didn't happen to me, I don't think, till definitely my early or mid-twenties. And then, and you realise that now and they've, yeah, they're not just your parents. They're, you know, they're, they're, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's It's a big ask and everyone's got to, and I think everyone will and everyone is being very reasonable at the moment. And um you know, there's a, I think there's a, a genuinely heartwarming, greater good feel and everyone's prepared to take orders. And uh, listen, we're not experts and 99.999% of people don't really have a clue when we talk about this kind of virus. And uh, almost nobody has a clue because there's no precedent like in our lifetime. But um, yeah, I mean, we can just give opinions. And uh, yeah, I think we you just have to trust the, the advice that's being offered. Question it, of course, but um, ultimately you've got to trust it. And if people are saying... If the government's saying, you know, under over 60s, over 70s stay indoors, then, then that is what has got to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there is a real sense of the spirit of that at the moment, isn't there? Just as you said, and, and people pulling together. And that really moves us on to what we were going to talk about next, which is that I think everyone feels in need of of some positivity with this bad news really just getting worse and worse on mm. a daily basis, right? And like, I guess even even most extreme things out there, that there are some positive stories emerging from this. And I think given how bad the situation is in many ways, is making these all the more touching. And there, there are a couple of that are really taking off in London right now that, really touched us and also were things that people can get involved with because I I know lots of people want to try to do something positive right now you know especially especially people who are suddenly out of work or not working as much or, or whatever the situation is so these are a couple of uplifting stories but are also things that we can all sort of look into if it feels right for us helping out with or or inspiring similar things anyway. So the first of these is the idea of a lady from Cornwall called Becky Wass. And she had the idea for these postcards, which I'm kind of thinking of as pandemic (laughs) postcards, right? And what she suggested is she came up with this template for these postcards And they're very simple. They just say on them, I've got one in front of me here. It says, hello, if you are self-isolating, I can help. And then very basic details, right? Like my name is, I live locally at, my phone number is. 
And then there's like tick box. If you're self-isolating due to COVID-19, I can help with picking up shopping, a friendly phone call, posting mail, urgent supplies. Just call or text me and I'll do my best to help you for free. And her hope is that people are going to be able to, like many people online are trying to do, sort of make kindness something that spreads at this time just through those simple actions. And there are ways you can find these online, print them out, and just in a really micro way, try to help someone out who's who's having an even harder time than you and and give back to your local community. Because it it feels like one of the things that that is sort of a realisation as it's happening is a sort of realisation of community that we're not used to living in Sure, and especially London, man. You know, London's a big city. It's a bit cutthroat at times. Like, I mean, I live in a block of four flats and I think I know one, like the girl that lives below me, but the other two flats, I don't even know who lives there. Do you know what I mean? Which is because it's it's such a transient city and I'm pretty sure if you ask most Londoners who their direct neighbours are, like people might be like, oh yeah, that lady who, or, oh, I think um, two lads live there, you know. So yeah, I think that sense of community is really nice and, and kindness is such an underrated character trait and I'm not trying to be cliche or glib when I say that, like it really is. And I, I think that, um, yeah, I think there's some there's some really nice, uh, some really nice stories coming out. Uh, if I can just, this, I haven't thought this through, Wes, so I'm a, I was a bit hesitant about saying this <laughs> on the podcast, but I think I said to you, um, it's just, just about the sure. NHS and, and, and helping. And the reality is, and everyone wants to do their bit, right? And the reality is there's an awful lot of people right now. I'm a football journalist. So my all my work, I'm a freelance football journalist. I was in Argentina for two weeks working and all the football around, uh, for two months, sorry, uh, recently. Mm. And all the football around the world has been cancelled. So I have zero income and an awful lot of hours, hence doing this podcast. <laughs> but there's, awful, there's a lot of people in my, uh, in my <laughs> boat, right? As in... Uh, the hospitality industry, tourism, uh, aviation, the creatives, the musicians, the arts. Like, there's an awful lot of people who are who are of varying ages, but a lot of young people in good health because they're up and working, with energy, with ideas. And it strikes me where it's slightly odd that all of these people are sat at home essentially twiddling their thumbs. And I just wonder... In a, we're in a situation where the NHS needs help. They need boots on the ground. They need people to help out, right? And I haven't thought this plan through, and I'm sure someone could go through this and they could pick it mm. apart and destroy it, and that's fine. But we're not living in a perfect world. The NHS needs bodies, and London has an army of people who are free now. We have time. We've got the hours. We've got the energy, and we should, like, I haven't, I don't know exactly, but if the NHS could do some kind of crash course, they ask people who'd be interested, people stick their hands up, a crash course, two weeks, one week, a weekend, I don't know, just to get people on the front line helping out. You could test them, you could test all the volunteers before they actually went into any hospitals to help out. If they had a positive test, of course, they'd be sent away. Negative test, they would be allowed to carry on. And and anyway, the nurses and stuff, they, they, they protect themselves anyway with, um, you know, gloves and all sorts. So I just think that, we are missing an opportunity if London and the UK doesn't mobilise this army of people who have got energy and ideas and would help and want to help people and their country. And it, it amazes me that no, that the government haven't said who wants in, who wants to help out. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, pick that apart, James. Tell me why that hasn't happened, because there must be there must be reasons that I'm not looking at. Yeah, I I think look people who have more experience than us of, of the exact 
ins and outs of dealing with something like this on the front line and of the NHS might be able to say practical things that that would make that difficult in that exact format. But I'm completely behind you with wanting to find ways for people, because I know there are lots of people, like you say, who are at work, who want to make a difference as well as having something to do. And yes, maybe to earn some money, sure. But like most of all, you know, rather than just doing nothing, would like to be making a positive difference to this whole situation. I mean, um, it's it's yeah. I I look, I'd be all for looking into the practicalities of saying like that. It's I, not I perfect, totally obviously. And someone could pick it apart and say, well, you you obviously can't train up someone to be a medical healthcare professional in a weekend or two week course. Obviously, I get that. But the situation we're in, guys, by if you read between the lines, it really is that we are we're going to struggle with people helping the sick and the elderly in the next few months. And like I say, it's not a perfect solution. In a perfect solution, you've got adequate beds, you've got adequate healthcare professionals, but that is not the situation we're in. So uh, for it not to be considered yet, I mean, I hope it is being considered at some level of government because uh, I guess what people might say, the counter argument, James, is someone like me would just get in the way maybe because I don't know what I'm doing and uh, maybe I'd be more of a hindrance Mm. than a help. And I can see that argument, but... It is. It strikes me as extremely odd that no that no government message has even gone out saying, "Does anyone have any healthcare um, experience? If you do, please make yourself available to the else if you want. You know, totally voluntarily. If you've got some healthcare experience, please do contact the NHS and and see if there's a use for you. Because are you telling me that I couldn't, you know, cl- clean pots and pans in hospitals to free up the nurses, or I couldn't bring? You know, I, I don't know, mate. Like, I haven't, I, I'm not, certainly not qualified to, to do any of that. But it just strikes me as there's, you could mobilise an awful lot of people to do an awful lot of good right now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And... Yeah, yeah. I, I totally feel you. And I, I think the more this situation continues, the louder the calls would be for saying like that, even though, like you say, there, there are practical sides of that we need to solve. I think one of the best solutions I thought about already was from a family friend of mine who's normally a professional singer. And obviously, people in the performing arts, actors, singers, a- anyone in that kind of line of work, their work has all completely dried up, right? Because with the bans on public places in lots of places or at least for recommendations not to go to public places they're closing all the theatres those people are suddenly completely out of work like many people they're freelancers who, who now don't have an income or anything do um, his idea anyway was he was seeing well those people are out of work lots of them are highly educated they've got a lot of skills and now they've got a lot of time on their hand and he was suggesting well, why don't we help each other out? Because he knows that lots of parents, if their kids are being told their schools are going to close, which is looking more and more likely in the UK soon, and it's happened in many other countries, obviously their parents are still working, even from home, looking after those kids is difficult. So his idea was to try and pair those people up, even informally, even just on his own social media, and say, well, hey, look, this person can help you look after your kids and you'll be helping them out. By, by giving them a job that they can do in these times. Now, obviously, you've got to monitor people to make sure that they're, they're not yeah, ill sure, and they're, sure. they're, they're coming into a space in the right way. But, but I, I thought it was a really thoughtful idea of like, well, how can we 
not only help out if we want to, but how can we kind of help each other out? Yeah, definitely. Know? That's really nice. And I guess that's, that is probably, yeah, like everyone will say, well, you can't do this because everyone needs to stay indoors because anyone and everyone might have the virus. Uh, but yeah, I mean, listen, with if there was more testing, then then you could say I don't have it or I've already had it. And so I can kind of crack on and, and help people now. So, uh, yeah, I guess may, maybe the, the, the hands are tied a little bit. But uh, yeah, everyone can just chip in and do 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 what they can, I guess. Yeah, completely. And a final story from the more positive side of the information that's been coming out of this in London comes from another industry that really is being completely locked down for the beyond the foreseeable, really, which is the nightlife industry. And obviously clubbing is something that seems kind of unimaginable right now in the contacts, but it's a huge part of London life for many, many people. And it's a big industry here. And one of the UK's largest nightclubs, London's 338, which has a capacity of 3,000 people, has announced a plan to turn into a giant warehouse to store food and other essential items for those in need. And they're calling on young clubbers, who now don't have clubs to go to, to use their free time to instead help those in need and their event directors are still figuring out how they're going to manage this and what they're going to be able to go and do as they go really like all of us are trying to just figure it out day by day but I thought that was a particularly inspiring London project in terms of a space Mm. trying to use the fact that this is massively negative for them for their business but being creative in their thinking to like well how can we turn even this biggest punch in the stomach for us into some kind of positive uh, i mean i think that's like the ultimate yeah. alchemy really isn't it and that that's an opportunity for us all to do in in our small ways it is to take the negatives we're facing all on our own individual sliding scales you know obviously me and you for the time being a a, a pretty lucky even compared to, to lots of Londoners, but but trying to take the negatives we are all facing and, and turn those into something positive yeah. for and someone, right? I, I thought that was a really inspiring way of doing it. No, you're the, right, the man. And also, scale. like we, we talked about this very briefly off pod, but you were saying earlier about when this all ends in six months, a year, two years, I don't know. When this all ends, it will have been a pretty brutal period but there is a chance that the world will emerge with a lot of positives. As You know, if people have genuinely used this time to help others or learn the piano or do whatever they were going to do. And uh, yeah, there's there's other things as well that maybe we've probably given the planet a little bit of a break, uh, you know, with carbon emission and stuff like that. So that there are, I know it might not look like it at times, but there definitely, I think when we come out the other side of this, I think we can, we can hopefully as a society, uh, you know, have learned a few things and, and come out stronger. If that's not too... Uh, me trying to be preachy or profound or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I agree. And as shocking and damaging as it is right now and as its repercussions look like they're going to be for for an extremely long time to come, I think you're spot on that for all of us who are anywhere near a position where, where we're not having to deal with much more immediate problems that are being 
brought about by this, it, it is up to us to try and factor that into our response a little bit, it, even in the smallest and, and simplest no, ways. No, totally. You know? um, and before we, we just go on to our final little bit and uh, uh, have a, uh, a conversation with your man Zander, who's got some really interesting thoughts about working from home, uh, I just want to say that I don't think, I think definitely where I when we come out the other side of this, I will never again take for granted the ridiculous freedom that we were given in the West just to, I mean, me and you both work in like more creative industries and we're on the road a lot and stuff like that. And to just be able to just go around the world working in different places and not really be questioned and just, just buzz in and out of London. Like that is, that is an amazing privilege and a gift and not a lot, not a big percentage of human history had that. And and hopefully uh, I know I already like, yeah, super. We'll be super, super grateful again, and won't take it for granted when it comes back. Yeah, I couldn't have put it better myself. Like, I think one of the funniest thoughts I've had of the past few days is is how much of a cliche it is, right? That you don't appreciate something until it's gone. But then I was at my favorite gym to go to last night. And as I came out after a shower, while I was still in the building, I got an email that that was shut indefinitely from today. And, you know, we've had similar experiences for people, whatever they like doing, whatever those places are that they like to go and spend their free time. We, we've all experienced that. Lots of people are going to be able to not see their loved ones and their family, friends, you know, like there, there are so many ways in which that's playing out. And it's a cliche, but it's also super yeah. true, right? And I I think it is going to make us all appreciate those those simple and, things a little and bit all more. Those, and all those... And yeah, hopefully that won't be saying no, that we're yeah, straight of course, away. There's always that danger. But it's also all those cliches. When people say, oh, it's a cliche. Well, it's a cliche. It's stuck around in English language for so long for a reason, right? Like cliches, otherwise they just die out. If they're not true at all or they don't have any resonance, like they just die out. So those cliches like appreciate the little things and um, everything like that, you know, they're based on something very solid because that's how they've been passed on through English language. Uh, but yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah. Mate, do you want to introduce the last little bit? You had a nice little interview with, with your man. Yeah, well, I, I think one of the things that people have found hardest about the past week or two, especially somewhere like London, is this adapting to working from home, which I think sometimes seems like, if we're judging it all on Instagram, seems like it's all coconuts (laughs) with colleagues on the beach. But actually people are realising that compared to normal office life, it, it can have some real downsides. It's pretty lonely. It's hard to be motivated hard to be productive and so Zander has been working remotely on and off for over 10 years saying he's not always found easy at times but saying that he's got more and more used to and he runs a huge community on Instagram with 35,000 people who are doing similar in the same line of work he is doing UX UI design so I spoke to him for some of his top tips on what can make working from home a breeze rather than a drag. So I'm delighted to be joined on this big Tuesday night in in my living room by UX UI influencer, 
some would go as far as to say the pinup boy of the UXUI design community on Instagram, Zander Whitehurst. Zander, how are you? Hello, James. I am very good. And that is a, a very kind and delightful introduction. It's a shame um, being a UXUI influencer, you get absolutely um, kind of no compensation for that. And I wish I could actually be more of a, a kind of... Um, but, but, but I think potentially I could introduce some... Um, active wear to the UXUI community and then that could be my route into a little bit of uh, a little bit of funding yeah I like that thinking <laughs> right interesting you work it mention working out as part of that lifestyle because what we really want to speak to you tonight about is working from home WFH yeah. is quickly becoming the abbreviation of our times. Uh, hash WFH. It's almost breaking the broadband as we speak. And you've been working remotely or working from home for how many years now? You're an absolute veteran of the team. I have. Well, I guess if I was to roll back, I would say going on 10 years, not permanently though. So that would be with previous companies who gave the offered like the flexibility, right? As startups to work from home for one or two days a week, even. So that started, yeah, I reckon over a decade ago, potentially. And then more recently over the last four years has been full-time working remotely. So that's a combination of working from home, working from uh, co-working spaces, coffee shops, but mainly, um, I guess, in your isolated own space. Yeah amazing and obviously that took some getting used to for you in the early days when you mm. were new to the scene i think of all the things that have happened to people this week yeah suddenly finding themselves working on their own from home rather than having the atmosphere of an office set up has been yeah. one of the biggest shocks to the system about this whole thing so far, people are realizing super quickly that working from home and working remotely isn't all hammocks and hangouts. <laughs> so what would you say, having been through that learning curve yourself, was the key to getting used to working on your own and working from home? Yeah, well, like you struck it. I guess the, the major difference is, um, you know, within an office, you have colleagues, right? So you have you have a bit of banter, you have um, constant interaction and constant distraction. Whereas when you are working from home, you really, really quickly realize that if you're sitting down for 20 minutes and completing a task, you are going to complete that task in 20 minutes. There's no, there's no distractions whatsoever. So very quickly, the amount of work you get done is far greater in a single day. So therefore, you quickly run out of work to do. If, if, if you follow your exact daily routine that you apply at work, Mm -hmm. um so yeah i guess to answer the question of like what is it that you need to do i mean it's taken me probably years to feel comfortable it's a really really lonely existence basically and i think the key thing that i've tried to do is to establish a little bit of a working routine that isn't full-time sat at my desk i think that's the mega um kind of challenge that people face is they assume working from home is okay i'm going to be sat at my desk for from nine till till six say um, but the reality is you're probably um, going to be doing more like of a high intensity kind of work routine. I like to describe where you'd work for maybe 20 minutes on, like 10 minutes off, um, just to refresh and give you that opportunity to like 
take a step away from the screen um, because yeah I uh, like for me I think one day working from home is the equivalent to maybe three days working in office from a productivity and output perspective um, so yeah I think I think there's a big contrast and people are definitely trying their best to adjust to it. Awesome so you'd suggest people turn working into a bit more of a workout in yeah. their approach and I know that you have this huge community, this tribe of people who are getting into a similar workflow to you on Instagram of 35,000 people now. So yeah, yeah, your yeah. experience at advising them on what to do. So now that a much broader community are in need of some top tips on working from home, what would you say would be your takeaways for them to really get into that workflow? Yeah. So I think that, I mean, yeah, as you say, yeah, like I guess with what I've done, I've built up a little community. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a fairly small community in the grand scale of what's happening right now. Um, but what I try to do is, um, yeah, offer as much advice as possible on setting that daily routine. And with that comes some really crucial kind of productive tools. Um, so again, within the design community, there are certain tools that we use, but on a, company level let's say or on a freelance level is really important from i guess i'm going to i'm going to just fire off some tools right that are going to really help people so let's you've got, go for it fire yeah, let's do it so currently even right here right now right we're using something called zoom um which is totally free you can record you can have up to 100 people um in a call at a single time for i think it's 45 minutes anyway don't 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 quote me on that but zoom google hangout skype all of the kind of video tools are really fantastic for holding any meetings um, and unlike a meeting where you're meeting in office, um, you'll get straight to the point. So that's the first one. Second one is more of a text-based communication tool, um, Slack. So I guess most people who might be listening to this may have heard of Slack, but it's important to organize your Slack channels kind of accordingly so that everyone is not distracted and I guess using the right tags. So that's kind of another team communication tool on another level there's a really useful tool for anyone who's brainstorming who wants to come up with something maybe more of the creatives in different industry called miro m-i-r-o used to be called real-time whiteboard um basically that's a real-time collaboration uh, whiteboard for anyone um you know super kind of simple but it's a great way for um, I guess for you to document anything in a single place, you've obviously got the standards of, you know, Google drive for kind of hosting everything, Dropbox for containing all of your files. Um, and there's a load of others um, kind of out there that I think are, when I say a load of others, a load of other tools that are helping other people um, kind of work. One of the main ones um, who've made a big impact, I'd say in more of the startup world and the education world is Loom. So Loom basically gives you the flexibility to record, um, anything on your screen um, with kind of this little um, kind of small, um, I guess, uh, version of you, like a little avatar in the corner. Um, and that's perfect for sending off anything in um, kind of more of a detailed human way than just asking people to review stuff like you're explaining what you're doing with Loom. So, yeah, there's a lot of tools out there to help. Um, if any advice then I am on Instagram at Zander Whitehurst I reckon is the best way um, we can have a chat I'm open and yeah, most of the community are sharing all their other tools as well awesome so the key for you is in a nutshell tools and time management if people can crack those the two T's then they're going to be work from home heroes 
Exactly. I think tools is a key one. And obviously there's a load of free options out there. So there's no need to break the budget. Everyone's going into mega save mode from a business perspective at the moment anyway. Time management is crucial. There's a great tool called Toggle, um, which helps you uh, manage your time really quickly. And you can literally see how much time you've spent on a single task. And again, that's kind of showing you more visually, wow, you actually waste so much time in an office. So try to um, kind of manage your time in those small like workout like hit hit I guess hit work outs is what I describe it um, and yeah I think I think a combination of those is going to help people so much. Awesome! So there you have it. That's how you can feel like a WFH MVP. Thank you so much, Zander. Cheers, James. Thank you so much. Yeah, stay safe. Nice wear. Um... Yeah, really interesting stuff. Any any final thoughts? Any shout outs to to, to the masses? I just wanted to um, uh, yeah. What did I want to say? Uh, we'll put this in the link below. But uh, Marco created our logo on about two hours' notice, so thanks to him for that. Uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll put his uh, details below if you want to. If you need a logo for anything, uh, thanks to everyone that contributed. Giorgio, your man Zander with the interview. Uh, oh, yeah, and Giorgio, I was going to say his uh, his family's got a, a shop in southern Italy uh, that sells uh, all kinds of men's fashion. And obviously, if you work in retail right now, it's a pretty tough time. It's, you know, there's uh, no one's buying anything. So, um, yeah, I'll put the link to Giorgio's family shop as well. And, uh, yeah, uh, over and out. And um, we'll chat tomorrow. <laughs>